Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. It's opening day today for the 2018 season of Circus Flora in St. Louis. It's getting an early start this year and in a brand new home. What's in store for children of all ages? I sat down recently with two people who know better than most. Jack Marsh, no relation, is Circus Flora's artistic director. His mother, Cecil McKinnon, is Flora's narrator and also performs. I began by asking Cecil about how this family affair got started. Quite a few years ago, I got a call from a director I knew who uh, had met David Balding, who was our artistic director. And before that, I had sent a woman I met who was learning uh, vaulting horse skills to meet him. And uh, so then they sent me postcards, and then through this other person, we all got together and created the first version of Circus Flora, which was at the Spoleto Festival in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, Jack, you did not have to run away to join the circus then, right? No. Well, I, I Cecil is my mother, and so when mm. she got that call, I, I tagged along with her. As At the time, I was a one-year-old, so I didn't have uh, too much say in the matter. Mm. Tell, tell me something about circus life today. I think we all have uh, you know, a feeling through the movies and, and – passage of time of what circus life is like, but it's got to be different today. What is, what is it like? I mean, it's, it, it has some relationship to, to all those cultural images out there of what yeah. the circus is. I mean, we, we uh, work in this, in this beautiful tent, and we live in our trailers in the back lot, and after shows, we, we you know, people fire up grills, and we, we eat food together and, and enjoy each other's company. And so it has this this sort of festival atmosphere while you're participating in it. But I think uh, circus life has certainly changed uh, from, from what it used to be. And, and, you know, I can speak really only to Circus Flora in, in specific, but it's, but it's circus- the mix of that with, with also, you know, everyone has, has smartphones and we get our schedule for each day via text sure. from our company manager and has just these little, these little flares that, that remind you that it's 2018. But circus is very family-friendly to its employees because we rehearse with little kids running around and playing all around us, we, we, uh, unless we have something dangerous happening in the ring. But then they're, but they're around. They don't have to go off to daycare or something. They're, they're that, kind, that kind of matches what I see as kind of the iconic picture of, of circus right. life. That is, there is a family quality. Yes. In all the movies I've seen, right. that's been the case. And kids tend to be brought up in that world, like there's a little two-year-old now who gets out the juggling clubs for his uncle and, you know, and has a little pretend drill to fix things. And he's very busy with circus activities. And it's this beautiful thing because you, as an audience member, you come and you, you bring your children and you see, you see uh, us performing and you see our children there and, you know, Tino Walenda on the high wire with uh, his daughter Aurelia on his shoulders and his son and his son's wife who has learned the high wire and is now a part of that act. And so you you get to, with your family, be entertained by these very close, tight-knit families from a totally different walk of life, but you still get to get to have this very sort of warm, family-oriented experience. Jack, there there is still a lot of dangerous, are a lot of dangerous things going on in the, uh, under the big top, aren't there? Yeah, there there are. I mean, uh, a little bit of element of danger is uh, is kind of necessary to to just be at, add that level of of humanity and excitement to to what we're doing. But for example, in this show, uh, the flying Walendas are on the high wire. They're they're working without a net. They they you know they're very 
safe and they know what they're doing, but uh, it's it's pretty scary to watch. They're on this this small wire. Um, we have a, a young man named Jason Dominguez in this show on an apparatus called the Wheel of Destiny, um, which is it's this huge wheel that that uh, we bring into our ring and it and it spins like a like a Ferris wheel, and then he's on one end of it doing acrobatics and and getting on top of it. It's it's kind of terrifying, but but you know it's sort of just thrilling enough and just beautiful enough that it really grabs you. But no lions or tigers, Cecil. No, uh, <laughs> no, but we do have trained pigs. I wanted to get to that. I can't <laughs> I wait to talk about. There. I can't wait to talk about the. Now we're talking about uh, about the circus that is opening very very shortly. Pigs. That pigs. is not something you, t- you typically associate with a circus. What is going no, on here? No, but they're very smart animals, and it's wonderful among, to among see Among the them. smartest, I yes, think. Yeah. exactly. And uh, and it's a wonderful act. It's it's got incredible energy. Uh, it's a man named Cousin Grumpy, and the Pork Chop Review is the is the name of this act. And uh, and he's it's you know you think pigs, and maybe you you think sort of small like Vietnamese pot bellied about the size of a dog, but but no, it's in fact it's these like huge seven hundred pound hogs who yeah. behave similarly, and and they uh, you know they do. Similar tricks to what a dog might do, and you know they jump over hurdles and and uh, stand on their hind legs and so forth. They're a little bit limited by the fact that they're, <laughs> they're, they're huge. very large, um, but they're but yeah they're they're you know as smarter smarter than a than a dog, and they and uh-huh. they get they get trained with with treats and and do you know they they behave very similar, but in in. Very different bodies. <laughs> I don't think they like the term pork chop in their title. Uh, no, I'm sure they might. I think that's an in-joke with the yeah. name of it. <laughs> you know, I, I remember the Johnny Carson show in which uh, there was an ongoing debate as to which was smarter, a horse or a pig. Most people kind of assumed it was the horse, but it definitely is. The, I think if you really talk to Cousin Grumpy, he'll tell you that, yeah, he's, I'm going to get it completely wrong. But uh, it was, I think, number four behind uh, aquatic creatures, uh, uh primates and there was something else that's smarter than a pig but that but elephants elephants yes elephants elephants number three and pigs number four in the days you're not performing what happens to the pigs where where do they stay oh they have a stable that they're in uh next to the horses right behind the tent uh quite roomy they have stalls of their Mm -hmm. own and a and shade and and Canvas wall. They're like in their own house. And and cousin Grumpy is his caravan is directly next to them because he you know if you're if you're working with with animals you're it's a it's a full time twenty four seven job where you're you know you're not just uh, letting them be for and then and then working right. with them a couple hours a day it's a you're constantly taking care of them and living living, living with, with them, them. And next to them. Yeah. You're in a new, a new location. Yes. Now and let's yes. talk a little bit about that and how uh, how suitable is it for what you're doing? It must it must be quite suitable? It's, I guess. It is suitable and it's. Uh, I mean, it's anything new is always takes a, an adjustment sure. of everyone's minds, but it's uh, it's turning into a wonderful place. It has uh, the tent itself, and the approach to the tent is really beautiful. Yeah, off right of off Washington, right off of Washington Boulevard, and it's a it's a permanent space. So we've entered into a partnership with the, the Kranzberg Arts Foundation, um, who's who's helped us to develop this space where we also have our our year round offices are on site. The big top is going to stay up uh, throughout the course of the summer and the fall and be available for for all sorts of events. You know, if people want to um, get married in in the, in the big top, they they can do so. Um, we have a, a great big sign that's that's in the same style of all the signage in, in Grand Center. It's um, yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's going to be you know, it's 
just a couple blocks away from from where we've been previously. But I think uh, I think it's going to be a really nice experience for our audience. You're starting on April nineteenth this year. Uh, that's an earlier start than usual. Yeah, yes. we've moved to a different time of year as well. So there's a lot of a lot of new around. So here, so it's um, yeah, we're about maybe six weeks before we normally start. And what we found was, I think, the June time frame, which is when we'd previously performed, was uh, was great. Uh, but the the trouble we had was that it would get very hot. And and you know that seemed to be getting worse over the last couple of years, and it's it's hard to cool off a tent. We we have air conditioning, and and now we have heaters as well in case it in case the temperature drops. But um, particularly on the on the hot side, if it's 100 yeah. degrees for a few straight days, and we have a thousand audience members in the tent, um, no matter how hard we pump those ACs, it, it wouldn't work out. So now I think it's going to be quite hospitable for our audiences. I think you know once you get into the big top, you don't need to worry about whether it's too hot or too cold, you just get to sit and enjoy a really great show. Cecil, is 1,000, is that the capacity of this tent? I, yes, I, it's about 1,000. Uh, I think the exact number is like 1,100. 1,100, but, so. uh, but yeah. You, you have several roles, and uh, do you not, Cecil? Uh-huh. And, and uh, tell us about, uh, about your involvement. Sure. I'm a theater director, which means I direct the, the story of it. Circus Floor has always had a plot, and the how it moves along. I'm also uh, have been in the past the narrator, although I'm starting to give that over. We're going to have some other characters who speak. Is that the, the ringmaster? The, kind of okay. like a ringmaster, okay. but it's a clown ringmaster. It's mm-hmm. a white, what's called a white face clown, which is a speaking clown. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, Jack and I write the plot. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I work on all those aspects of it. And as artistic director, what is your role? Um, well, I work very closely with with Cecil on it, and both in writing and then and then past that, um, I'm more involved on the sort of producer role. So so figuring out what acts we're going to hire, um, working with them to to get them in town, and then kind of overseeing the process. So while while Cecil is uh, sort of more hands on in in the moment to moment of rehearsals, I I kind of duck in and out of rehearsals to to you know sort of keep track of things and, and, you know, compare notes and then, and then you know, come in and do a radio interview or, or you know, whatever else sort of needs to be done. We, we have quite a small staff and it's, it's quite a large production, so, so trying to um, juggle all these things, so to speak. Are there plenty of out, uh, acts out there to draw from? I, you know, I think a lot of people have the impression, I believe, that the circus world is kind of dying and diminishing with Ringling Brothers going down, for instance, think it's on its way out. Yeah, I think there's that feeling out there, and I understand why. But uh, certainly, there's no shortage of, of really amazing circus artists, um, and and you know, all all industries uh, change form in some way, and and you know, modernize in in certain ways. And um, I think one one thing worth noting is that w- that feeling in in the United States, I don't think, is shared by the rest of the world who. Um, who I think really sees a flourishing circus industry and, and sees, you know, there's a lot of really great opportunities for, for performers out there. And for example, there's two uh, circus schools in Canada, national circus schools. In France, there's 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. And performers from the United States and from all of those schools are employed in Japan, China, all across the Americas, South America. So it's, it, I know there's that feeling because of Ringling Closing, mm-hmm. but in fact, there's a generation of people so interested in circus performing yeah. that it's moving for someone like me to have a new generation coming who 
want to do this. And I think it's incumbent on on us as a as a circus company to sort of you know re- both recognize the the trend of this and the sort of public perception of it, but at the same time you know we need to we need to be strong that like yes this is a this is a vital art in the world and it's important that that there be um, a, a avenue for for entertainment where you bring your your child to see a live performance in front of you that's not on a screen that is you know human beings doing these incredible things that they, that you know you're benefiting from their from their 20 30 years of, of training or generations of, of training so we get to you know we, we have to be uh, be strong that yes indeed this is this is vital and and you know we, we we adapt and we adjust and we you know we create new shows and have new ideas that we bring into the shows and new types of performers that that you know might not have been in Ringling Brothers uh, 50 years ago that that you know we, we fit into a circus floor show because it's a different a different opinion on how circus should work mm-hmm. but it's um, you know to me it's it's critical that that we be able to do this and, and that we, we yes, show and our therefore we try to keep our prices low enough so that you can bring your family for more or less the cost of going to the movies mm-hmm. so that there's a sense of what should truly be a popular art form which is what circus is and appeal we don't want to just appeal to children we try to layer it so that everybody can have the same experience and enjoy them genuinely enjoy themselves it seems to me though that for the acts it must be kind of a nomadic life uh, yes. going from town to town Definitely. kind of like the old days right absolutely particularly yeah. overseas yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Every, oh, everywhere yeah. everybody travels all over the place yeah you you get different contracts here or there and you, you yeah. know, everyone has a, a home base of some kind but it's you know you might not be there for for six months at a time. But so. that's true of performers, no matter what. And, 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 on the road, is show on the road. Business. Yeah. But you mentioned schools before. Did, did you go to school to, to, to learn your, your and No, art? I went to theater school. Oh. And, uh, and there I had a, a, a teacher of circus who actually is in circus floor now. And uh, that started me off as a juggler. And I always yeah. went back and forth between circus and theater. No clown now, school. there were no circus schools then. No clown school for you. Uh, Ring, no, Ringling had, had a clown uh, school for a while, but they don't obviously anymore. Did Emmett Kelly run that at some point? It seems to me I'm associated. He was certainly part of it, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk, go back to the show that uh, is going to be opening soon and talk about the uh, whodunit. Jack, I'll, as the artistic director, I'll throw that to you. You always have themes at Circus Flora. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about this, but don't give anything away. <laughs> well, we, yeah, we certainly won't give away the ending. Uh, but the show is called The Case of the Missing Bellhop, and it's a mystery. It's a mystery set in a hotel called the Balding Hotel, which is an homage to our founder, David Balding. Um, and it's, uh, as, as the title implies, the, the bellhop and also other staff members go missing. Um, and at the same time, uh, there's a, a world-famous detective, Detective Gordon, who uh, who puts herself on the case uh, and tries to get to the bottom of it. And so everyone's a suspect, including uh, including the Wheel of Destiny acrobat, including uh, the the trapezist, including including the audience. Everybody's a suspect. Including Grumpy and the Pork Chopper. Including review. the Pork Chopper. Review. So all of the other acts somehow get involved in this in this Right. Part they're of all the suspects because yeah. they're all guests at the hotel. Yeah, and that's you know a, a hallmark of Circus Flora is we we write a sometimes kind of offbeat, goofy story that that encompasses all of the performers and and so all of these you know amazing circus artists that you're seeing you're also getting to know in these in these different ways as characters within our story. Cecil, what are you most excited about for this new season? Well, uh, Detective Gordon is a uh, woman we haven't worked with before, but who I have 
admired for 10 or 15 years, and she's here. She just was performing in Australia and has flown in here. And she's a, a singer and, a, a, and singer a clown. And, and a, a clown. Uh, she has a comedy roller skating act. Yeah. And she's a, she's, what's her name? Her name's Amy, Amy G. Amy G. And she's very funny, very attractive, and I think she's just a knockout. So I'm very much looking forward to that in the show. Jack, how about you? Well, uh, excited for, for Amy G also. I, there's a lot to be excited about. We have a, a trio of trampoline wall acrobats. Uh, which is um, we've had this apparatus in the show before, and it was an absolute hit, and and we kept getting demands to to bring them back. So we've done so, and it's uh, it's an act where our set is the front facade of a hotel, and we have these acrobats who uh, jump out of the windows of the hotel, off the roof of the hotel, onto this trampoline, which which places them back up into the same spot. It's it's a little bit hard to to understand, but and it because it defies gravity so so well. But it's uh, yeah, it's this amazing act. That kind of brings us back to the danger element again. But at the Cirque du Soleil a couple of months ago, I think there was a fatal accident in, mm-hmm. involving uh, There was dancing. in Florida, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that's got to weigh on your mind when you're putting these things together. It certainly is, a, is a, a shock to the whole circus community whenever something like that happens. And it's, it, it makes you, you know, step back and, and you know, sort of remember, you know, you, you always, you know, have this element of, of – of danger and, and mortality that's kind of inherent in in circus, both as an audience member and a and a performer and a producer, and that's you know it's always lurking in the back of the mind, and it's it's really a, it's a jolt when it when it all of a sudden uh, gets shot to to front of mind, and it's yeah it's really um, a tragic thing that sort of makes us remember our our own mortality and 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 you know sort of makes us think and recommit to why we do what we do. You know when we're rigging and when we're doing things which we do ourselves. And every performer, of course, checks and makes their own rigging. Uh, but there is that, if someone says, I think that's dangerous, we stop. Mm-hmm. And we all think about it and look at it and change it. I mean, there's a, it, I, no one, it doesn't go yeah. dun da 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 but there is just a, if someone puts in that opinion, then we stop and look. Yeah. As you say, and we discussed earlier, the circus community is a community. It's so a very tight community. Jack Marsh, artistic director of Circus Flora, and his performing mother, Cecil McKinnon. Circus Flora opens tonight and runs through May 13th. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.